Sorry, Brother Greg, that's not the verse I gave you. But we'll get there. 1 John chapter 5, and we'll use this as the springboard scripture, if you will, for a message that this is really part four. But it's part two of the subject that we're on, the faith that overcomes the world. Now, I preached last Saturday night and Sunday morning in Palestine, Texas. It's on their YouTube channel, Christ Community Church. I encourage you to go and listen to it, even though you'll hear some of the same things this morning. Because faith is the most important thing in your life. Amen. You say no Jesus is, no faith is, because without that, you don't have him. You can't walk with him. You don't know him. Faith. Faith. It's the most important thing in your life because if you get faith wrong, nothing else is right. If faith is wrong, nothing else is right. We can claim how much we love God and we love God and that won't be anything more than feelings if faith is not right. If faith is not right, then even what we claim to be love to God is not right. Because faith works by love. And you you can't love God without faith. See, love is not a feeling. It takes faith to love God. It takes faith to love God. Amen. So let's read this to begin with this morning. 1 John chapter 5, verse 4. Because it is a great promise and a great truth lies here. For whatsoever is born of God overcomes the world. Are you born again this morning? Then you became an overcomer. Watch though. And this is the victory that overcomes the world, even our faith. The reason... Christians are not living in victory and able to manifest the will of God in their lives with the fruit according to the word of God is because their faith is wrong. It's wrong. This one Bible verse tells us that when you got born again, you became an overcomer because of something. Because you received faith that overcomes the world. That means everything in the world. That means everything that stands against the will of God being carried out in your life, faith overcomes that. That means anything that comes along that grabs a hold to you and it gets a hold to you and, 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 and is not allowing you to be free, faith overcomes that. Faith overcomes the world. But it's the faith of the Son of God. It's the faith of the Son of God. This should be a very refreshing message to you today because faith is not something you have to conjure up and work for or work at. Faith faith is something that was given to you that is perfect. Everybody okay today? 
Faith is something that was given to you that was perfect. We're not perfect, but Jesus has never given you anything that's not perfect. He gave you himself. He's perfect. He gave you a perfect salvation. It's perfect. He gave you the measure of his faith. It's perfect. It cannot fail. It cannot fail. Faith cannot fail. I can fail to exercise it, but faith cannot fail. When I'm failing, it's because I'm failing to exercise my faith. Faith can't fail. So I can't blame failure on anything except me failing to keep what I've been given, to exercise it. Amen. It should be refreshing because it's not what I have to conjure up. It's not, well, I've just got to try harder. No, the good fight of faith, what makes it a good fight of faith is that it's a fa- it's the faith of Christ. And it's an overcoming faith. It's already overcome. He, he overcame all things at Calvary. Yes. All things. Amen. Amen. So you already have, because you were born again, faith, you have it. You don't have to go searching for it. You were given faith. And that faith that you've already been given overcomes the world. Overcomes the world. Let's look at... First, before we get to where we're going, Romans chapter 12 this morning. And don't sit here today and say, well, I already know all this. Because I promise you, you don't know it like you're going to hear it today. You don't know it like you're going to hear it today. You've seen it in the Word. But you don't know it like you're going to hear it today. And you need to hear what the Lord is going to say to you today. And it'll all be scriptural. Hallelujah. It's got to be if we're going to present it to the people. Romans chapter 12, verse 3. The apostle Paul says, For I say, through the grace given unto me, to every man that is among you, he's writing to Christians here, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think. That's when we get ourselves in trouble every time, isn't it? It's right there. That's, that's every time we get ourselves in trouble. It's because we're thinking more highly of ourselves than we ought. There's never a time that we get ourselves in trouble or we're not doing the will of God or that we're doing something that we should be doing that it's not us thinking more highly of ourselves than we ought. Watch. But to think soberly according as God has dealt to every man the measure of faith. God has dealt, He's given to us the measure of faith. Already, when you got saved. When you were born again, this is what happened. You heard the gospel as a sinner, and you yielded your heart unto that righteousness. Unto it. It says you yielded your heart unto it. It means you gave your heart to that truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ. You believed it in the heart. It wasn't just here. Yeah, 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 I believe it. I don't want to go to hell, you know. No, no, no. You received it in your heart and it put you on a path and that path was following the one that you heard about that saved you. Amen. But notice here that to be able to think soberly means you're not thinking more highly of yourself than you ought to. 
But to think soberly also means that you're thinking according to the measure of faith that God gave you. And what is it to think according to the measure of faith that God gave you means your mind's got to stay on that which allowed God to give you the measure of faith. What, what, What is that? What was that? It's Jesus Christ and his sacrificial work at Calvary. You see, everything Jesus did, he did by faith. Everything. He even declares of himself in John that I always please the Father. There was never one second in our Savior's life that he was not pleasing to the Father. Never a moment, never a second. He always pleased the Father. It's impossible to please the Father without faith. That means Jesus lived by faith every breath he took. He lived by faith completely every moment of his life. Amen. Amen. But it wasn't him living perfectly and fulfilling the law completely, perfectly, as he did. Amen. Amen. But that ain't what saved us. It had to happen so he could do what saved us, but that didn't save us because the Bible says that the righteousness of God was manifest without the law. law. Amen. That the faith of Christ might save us and declare us righteous. See, it it wasn't the righteousness of the law that he kept that declared us righteous, it was his death. Amen. That he humbled himself and became obedient. Obedient means faith, even unto death. So I wanted to start here today because you got to understand this. If you're if you're looking for faith, you're looking for something you already have. Amen. If you're born again, you have the measure of the faith of the Son of God who loved you by that faith and gave himself on the cross for you by that faith. That's where that faith came from. It didn't come from anywhere else. If it didn't come from there, you still don't have it. Amen. Amen. Now, I want us to look this morning in Galatians chapter 3, and I don't want to go too fast because this is a powerful a powerful truth that you've got to grab a hold of. Again, let me say it. If you get faith wrong, if you just make up something about faith in your own feelings and the way you feel and the way you think it ought to be, if you get faith wrong, nothing else can work. You can't function in grace. Grace is God doing something in your life. I don't care what definitions you've heard of it, that though they be true, grace is God doing something in your life and He can't do those things unless he finds faith. Amen. But it's not just any faith. It's the faith he gave you. He can't function in your life without the faith he gave you. Last Saturday, Robin and I were driving to Palestine and driving down the road. The Lord just spoke to my heart and said these words. When I gave you the measure of faith, it came with its object. What do you think about that? The Lord gave you, when you were born again, the measure of faith. 
It came with its object, and it won't work in any other object. So when we say things like, and we've said it for many years now, and we're going to have to learn to rephrase what we say because you can't put that faith in nothing else. You can't put that faith. It won't work in nothing else. When he gave you that measure of faith, it came with its only object. The object of it is why God was allowed to give you that measure. It won't work in anything else. So when we say, you know, my well, I, I, I messed up, put my faith in the purpose-driven life. Not the faith God gave you, you didn't. The faith he gave you won't work with the purpose-driven. Did Jesus Christ claim to be the door? Yes. Twice in John, he says, I'm the door. What opened the door was his death. Nothing else. His death is what made him an open door to the Father. Yes, hallelujah. And he's given you the keys of the kingdom. Yes, he has. The key that he gave you is that measure of faith. Amen. It won't work in any door but the one he opened for you at Calvary. It won't fit any other door. When we go and try to put what he gave us, that measure of faith, as it were, a key in anything else, it won't fit any other thing. So it's not really me, listen, it's not me really putting my faith in something else. It's me with my heart yielded to the sin nature. In everything else. And all the other stuff is not really me putting my faith in. You could say that if you'd like to keep saying that, but you just need to know it's not the faith he gave you because it won't go in nothing else. But what it is really is Romans 6, 16, and we will get to that in this teaching at some point, but there's only two avenues. You're, you're with your heart still yielded to what he did through his obedience by faith unto righteousness there's only one other area. There's only one. And that's our hearts are yielded to the sin nature. So when we say, well, for years my faith was in the purpose driven, the celebrate recovery, uh, AA, my faith was in all these things. It wasn't the faith God gave you. And it wasn't really faith in that. It was our hearts yielded to the one sin nature. Sin nature is all it was. All that stuff is us yielded to the sin nature that was made ineffective when we were born again because we received the measure of faith that overcame all that and that old Adamic nature, evil nature, the old man was made ineffective. And you've been given the measure of faith. Now I want to show you something this morning. In Galatians chapter 3, you've heard me say it a few times through the years, but I want to show it to you in the Word this morning. Our eyes can look upon it. And this is going to be a long message. And I don't mean we're going to stay here past 12. I mean this message is going to be ongoing. The main reason is is because if we get faith wrong, nothing else is right. Nothing 
If we get faith wrong, we're just living on vain imagination and make-believe and pretending. And yeah. God won't honor it no matter how much we cry, no matter how much we beg, yeah. no matter how bad we're hurting. He only honors faith. Amen. And there's only, according to Ephesians 4 or 5, one faith. One faith. One object. And one avenue. Yes. Watch this now in Galatians chapter 3, verse 21. And I know some people hear me teaching. Some people hear me preaching. And they say, well, I don't know. All you got to do is love God. And God keeps reminding me over the last couple of months how miserable I was and wrong I was about just about everything. And I loved him. I loved him. I wanted to serve him. I, I wanted to be found faithful, but I was miserable and brought to a place of ruin because my faith wasn't right. Amen. My heart, well, if your faith is not right, your heart's not right. Amen. Crying tears and telling God how much you love him doesn't mean that you're going to experience deliverance from what you're in. That's right. Because that's not faith. Yes. Amen. Watch this now, Galatians chapter 3, verse 21. Is the law then against the promises of God? God forbid. Now as we finish this verse, watch what the real focus is here, which is the avenue through which life comes. For if there had been a law given which could have given life, then righteousness should have been by the law. So what was it that brought life? Righteousness. Romans 8 and 9 or 10, one of those says that righteousness is what has made our spirit alive. Righteousness. Remember, salvation, the born-again experience, was you believing unto righteousness. But what were you believing unto? The righteousness of of the faith of Jesus Christ. That's what you were believing unto. What he was doing by faith was declaring through the shedding of his blood the righteousness of God. And when you believed with your heart unto that, you were believing unto the righteousness of the faith of the Son of God. Yeah. I know that to be true because when Peter did his big piece of stupid in Antioch, Paul said, now wait a minute, Peter, don't you know that we're not justified by works of the law but by the faith of the Son of God, yes. the yeah. faith of Jesus Christ. So you need to know this morning the faith that you have and you live by is the faith of the Son of God. Yeah. That's the measure you have. It's not you have your own personal faith and I got mine. We've all got the same measure because it's measured of the faith of the Son of God. There's not the faith of Pentecost and the faith of this and the faith of that. The Bible says there's one faith. So watch this now. Life came through righteousness. The Spirit is alive because of righteousness. That's your Spirit. Romans 8 and 9 and 10. So watch this. Watch this now. But the scripture has concluded all under sin. Everybody. That the promise by faith of Jesus Christ, and that is the correct translation. 
That's the correct translation. By faith of Jesus Christ. What he did by faith on the cross. Yes. He had to live perfectly by faith. And then his faith had to carry him to the place of death. Yes. Because he, when he was dying, Peter wrote that he was yielded to, that he was committed himself to the one who judges righteously. His work of dying for us on the cross was God declaring His righteousness through Him and it's the righteousness of His faith that was being declared there. It's the righteousness of the faith of Christ that was being declared there. What He did by faith. Perfect life. Perfect death. Perfect sacrifice. Let's read it again. But the Scripture has concluded all unto sin. Everybody's a sinner. That the promise by faith of Jesus Christ might be given to them that believe. You see, it's what He did by faith that's given to you that believe. Amen. Watch now. Now watch this because what I've said for many times and people look at me weird is the saints in the Old Testament don't, didn't have the same faith you got. They did not have the faith you have. They had faith in a coming Redeemer. Your faith is literally in the Redeemer. You say, well, their faith was in, a, in the Redeemer. The door hadn't been opened to them yet to go inside the Redeemer. That's why they had to go to paradise when they died. They couldn't even go to heaven because the Redeemer had not yet come. He has come now, manifest God's righteousness apart from the law that they were all under through the faith of Jesus Christ. And the door was open, and we entered into that faith. They didn't have this faith. And it's proven right here. Verse 23. Watch. But before faith came, before faith came, we were kept under the law. Shut up unto the faith. That means confined unto the faith which should afterwards be revealed. Oh my goodness, my goodness. You ought to wake up every morning shouting the high praises of God that you're a new covenant believer. I'm talking about a new covenant believer. You don't have a faith in something coming. you got a faith in the one who already came. This is so beautiful to me, and I've shared it recently a couple of times. The reason that God had to literally put Moses in a literal physical rock that was pierced and cut out which was all symbolic of Christ being our rock of salvation pierced so we could be grafted into him through what he did at Calvary. God put Moses in the cleft of the rock, the rock that was literally pierced, and he said, now that you've asked to see my glory, I'll walk by and I'll declare my glory to you. And everything he declared to him in walking by, all the glory that he declared to him would all be what Christ would one day come and fulfill on the cross, every bit of it. You can read it all in Exodus 32, 33, and 34. But I believe now God has shown me the 
reason he told Moses, you can't see my face and live. No man can see my face and live. So all you can do is see my hinder parts. All you can do, Moses, is keep watching where I'm going. you'd get that today. I hope you get All you can do is watch me from behind and follow me where I'm headed. And I'm headed to the place that I just declared to you where my glory is going to be manifest because Jesus is the brightness of my glory. You can't look and, and listen. So when we get to the new covenant now, the Bible says that the light of the glory of the knowledge of God shines in the face of the Lord Jesus Christ. You know what happened when you saw the face of God on the tree of Calvary? You died. And you were born again. Hallelujah. Because you can't look on the face of God and live. No man can. And you saw it. They couldn't even see it in the old covenant. But you see it. You see the face of God. Jesus said, if you've seen me, you've seen my Father. We see the fullness of God in the face of the Lord Jesus Christ through what he did for us at Calvary. And you died when you saw it. And you were buried and raised to newness of life because you looked on the very face of God. When you saw Jesus being crucified, you said, I wasn't there. Yeah, you saw it by faith. Hallelujah. You saw it through that measure He gave you. When you yielded your heart to trust in this truth you were hearing that God loves you and gave His Son for you so that you wouldn't have to be guilty any longer or bound any longer but you can be set free, born again, and have a new horizon to look forward to. Then He gave you that measure of faith that you need from that moment forward to keep thinking, to, to keep you from thinking more highly of yourself than you are, to, to, to keep from looking back and viewing things as you did under the old man that you were, but now being able to see with eyes of the new creation that you are in Him. So watch this. Before faith came, we were kept under the law. Shut up unto the faith, which should afterwards be revealed. Wherefore, the law was our schoolmaster to bring us unto Christ. We were being brought to Christ, pointed to Christ. Why? That we might be justified by faith. When he came... They were under the law and the law was pointing them to the one who would come and justify them by faith. They already had faith. But what did they need? They needed the faith of the Son of God. Hallelujah. They needed the faith of Jesus. You have that faith of Jesus today. You don't have the faith they had of something that's going to happen one day. And their faith was creditable to God. It was honored by God. But it wasn't the faith that we have today. We have the faith of the Son of God. That's why you don't have to work at it. You don't have to, you don't have to conjure it up. I'm not trying hard enough. All you got to do is yield that heart moment by moment to that form of doctrine that saved you from sin and made you a servant of righteousness the moment you believed. Before you knew anything, before you could explain anything, you already were an overcomer because of His faith. His faith. You were justified by His faith. 
You didn't have faith. You, you had to be dealt it by God, remember? Romans 12 and 3 and 2 Peter 1 and 1. If you're taking notes, and y'all ought to be, you obtained it. It's something you didn't have. You didn't have it. You didn't overcome by your faith. Because it wasn't your faith until you accepted what He did by faith. The reason Jesus would tell people after He healed them, your faith has made you whole, is because they came depending on Him and what He would do. And everything He did, remember, was by faith. So when they touched Him, they were touching His faith. When you got born again, you touched His faith. And you got to keep touching His faith. He gave you the measure of it. It won't work when the heart's not yielded to what God did and you believed it the first time. It won't work. You keep trying to work it. Listen, the Holy Spirit is the one who works faith. All you do is fight to keep it. If you're fighting against sin, you're fighting against something you're not going to win. It's already been defeated. You're fighting for one thing. Your fight is one thing to keep exercising the measure you were given. And when your life starts going into ruin, it's only proof of one thing, that you're no longer exercising that measure you were given. It's not blamed on them. It's not blamed on her and him and my boss and my wife and how bad they treated me because there's one, they can steal everything you got, but they can't steal that faith. Watch this. Verse 25. But after that faith, everybody say that faith. Now let's try to get everybody say that faith. After that faith has come, we no longer under a schoolmaster. We no longer under the law. And this ain't talking about Israel only. You and I were born into this world under law. You might not be a Jew, but you, Romans 2, 14 and 15 tell us you were still under the law. And it tells us there in those two Bible verses, Romans 2, 14 and 15, how we proved it. Because as long as you were doing something, it, 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 even if it was sinful, but it was benefiting me, I'd excuse you from it. But the moment I stop benefiting from it, I'm going to call the law on you. Under the law, we accuse people or we excuse people. Under grace, we just accept people. Anybody can hear the love of God. And I can't just anybody preach here. But anybody can come here and hear the truth of the gospel. Amen. After that faith has come, we no longer under a schoolmaster. Now I want to show you this morning. I've showed you one already. To prove to you, and I pray the Holy Spirit, you would let Him show you these things in your heart. That Galatians 2 and 20, back a chapter, one of the most powerful scriptures in the Bible, Galatians 2 and 20, says... The Apostle Paul, but it's not only true of him, but all of us. Yes. I am crucified with Christ. That's you if you're born again. Amen. 
Amen. I'm crucified with Amen. him. Nevertheless, I live. But not I. It's no longer me not living. But Christ lives in me. Amen. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. You'll see for the translations that have been written concerning this and other Bible verses that turn this into by faith in the Son of God that the correct Greek rendering of this is exactly what it says. Because it was his faith that offered salvation to you. You didn't have it, remember? You didn't have any faith. What you did to receive the measure of faith was yield your heart to righteousness that was preached to you where? Revealed to you where? In the gospel. The righteousness of God is revealed in the gospel to those who go from faith to faith. We didn't have when you when you were hearing the gospel, you didn't have any faith. The picture of the operation of God there was as a lost, dead man who offers nothing, has nothing to offer, dead in sins and trespasses. You're hearing a message that you have nothing to put on the table and bargain with except one thing, and that's a yielded heart to that truth. A broken heart that I'm found lost and guilty before God and I'm yielding to that truth that promised me I can be saved and delivered. Forgiven, hallelujah. And when you yielded your heart to that, you obtained the measure of faith. Not before. You obtained it, the Bible says. He dealt it to you, the Bible says. I don't care what old preacher so-and-so says, I'm a Bible believer. I don't care what we've been taught in the past. I didn't have faith when I got saved. I had a yielded heart unto the righteousness of Jesus Christ and what he was doing in his death on Calvary's cross. So when the Bible says you're saved by grace through faith, and that not of yourselves, but it's the gift of God. And ain't talking about just grace. That's talking about both of them. Because you didn't have, we didn't have anything to offer. If you think you do, you got something to boast in. A dead man ain't got nothing to boast in. He's dead, separated from God. This is a refreshing message. You don't have to work and conjure up and try hard. All you got to do is keep a yielded heart to the sacrifice. That's your mission because all the will of God is going to take place there and not one ounce of it is going to take place outside of that. So you've come too late to tell me the message of the cross is not God's focus. You've come too late to try to get me to move away from it. You've come too late to try to get me to let somebody come in here and speak something different all in the name of love. It ain't going to happen, honey. While I'm breathing air, we're going to be preaching the faith of the Son of God, which is the message of the cross. Galatians 2.20 is where we are, declares to us that if we're living, it's by His faith. And it tells us, it's so obvious because immediately it tells us what it was he did by faith. He loved me by faith. And he gave himself for me by faith. Jesus was a man, you understand? Yeah, got to. He was fully God, but he was fully man. 
And what He did for you was because He loved you, but He couldn't love you as a man without the faith of God. And Jesus even tells us in, what is it, Mark eleven twenty two, have the faith of God. Now, a lot of translations will say have faith in God, but it don't mean that. It's okay if you know what faith in God really means to have the faith of God. What's it mean? God offered His faith to you through the cross. I said He offered it to you through the cross. When you yielded your broken heart, realizing you were a sinner and guilty of your sins and on your way to hell, you broke and you yielded to that truth and God gave you the measure of faith. And when He gave you that measure of faith, you became an overcomer right then. Even if you still had a drinking problem, even if you were still smoking weed, knowing that you didn't want to anymore but you still were, God says you're still an overcomer! You're an overcomer whether you're experiencing it or not. Now, He wants you to experience it in that measure of faith He gave you will overcome everything. That's why many of us can stand up today. All of us, I hope, would be able to say, I didn't do that anymore. I don't do that anymore. I don't use the Lord's name in vain anymore when I strike my thumb with a hammer. I just lay down and say, come quickly, Lord Jesus. You know, you used to cuss all the time, somebody Some of you probably still do, God forbid. But there's a way out of that foul tongue and it's the faith of the Son of God. His faith can't fail. That's why you had to be given the measure of His faith. It can't fail. We can fail, but we'll never fail if we're keeping the faith because it's really not us failing. It's His faith we're keeping that's not failing. See, we never get any glory. He gets all the glory. He saved me. He gave me faith to walk in this salvation. We don't get glory. He gets all the glory. Because He, in His perfect life, sinless life, laid down a per- His perfect life in a perfect sacrifice so that the door could open and we could yield our hearts to that and He would give us the keys of the kingdom. Yeah. Mm. Now, let's also look at Revelation 14, 12 this morning. Revelation 14 and 12. And what we're doing this morning in this part two of this faith that overcomes the world, part four of complete triumph in Christ, 18 years at Crossway Church. (laughs) It's setting the groundwork for it. The only, the only reason he calls it your faith and the only reason he was able to give you the measure of faith is because it's his. Remember, you can do nothing without me, he said. Yes. And everything that we have is his. Yes. We are joint heirs. We're not heirs of all. Let Jesus, you got your stuff. I, no, we are joined together with him to be heirs of all he has. That includes faith. That's why he gave you the measure of faith. And I said this, and I say it often, but remember this. Romans 5 and 5 says that God has shed his love abroad in our hearts. How he did that, he didn't sprinkle love in your heart, just some juicy love. He is love, and the way he shed your heart abroad with love is by he himself moved inside of you, and you are now his temple of love. Amen. But it works the same way with this measure of faith. When he gave you the measure of faith, the reason you even have it, 
to express and to experience the will of God. The reason you have the measure of faith is not because he sprinkled a little measure of faith on you. It's because he and who he is and what he's done, he is the one who moved inside of you. And we know this is true because Paul said, the life I live now, it's Christ living in me. It's Christ living in me. See, the one who gave us this measure, he gave us the measure by moving into us, our hearts, his own self. It's his faith we live by. We move by. We have our very being by. It's his faith. We can do nothing without him, meaning we can do nothing without his faith. You know, two times the voice spoke from heaven concerning Jesus that others would hear, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. Once is when John was baptizing him in the Jordan River, and which was symbolic of what? What he would do on the cross, die, be buried, and raised up again. The second time the voice came from heaven is on the Mount of Transfiguration when Moses and Elijah was talking to him. The Bible says about his and he was glorified before them face like sun raiment like light literally stepping into his glorified place that he would experience after resurrection because the topic was death God ain't got no other focus for you or anybody but the death of his son there ain't no other focus There's no other focus in heaven, from heaven, on this earth among God's people who are walking in the Spirit and by faith because it means we're walking by the faith of the Son of God. Revelation 14 and 12 says this. Here is the patience of the saints. And that word means steadfastness. Now Peter wrote... Guard your heart. Guard your heart. Don't let any sneak creep in and move you by the error of the wicked from your steadfastness. It's in the Bible. If it wouldn't be there, if it couldn't happen. Here is the patience. Here is the steadfastness of the saints. Here are they that keep the commandments of God and the faith of Jesus. If you're keeping the faith, if you're in the faith, it's the faith of Jesus or it's not Bible faith. There is no, there's one faith. It's the faith of the Son of God that loved you and gave Himself for you. That's the object. And let me say it again. I hope you never forget it. God spoke to me on the way to Palestine last Saturday. I was driving down the road. My goodness, Robin got an earful of it. I said, the Lord just told me the object of faith that He... What did He say? He said, the measure of faith that I dealt to you came with its only object. Amen. There is no other object. You say, well, I got a big old Bible. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. That tells you what it comes by. But where does it come from? Come 
That's why all the Bible, if it's not enhancing your view of a perfect and finished work of the Lamb, it's just you're just being led into legalism. Come on. See, the Bible's not about the cross and a lot of other things. The Bible says that when we obeyed from the heart that form of doctrine that was delivered to us, that word form means pattern. It's a pattern. And outside of that pattern, God ain't showing you nothing. Amen. No matter what you think you're seeing in the Word, if you're not looking with the eyes that God gave you to see through your heart still yielded in what He gave you to eyes to see, then you're not seeing properly. You're listening to men talk about what they know. But see, there is the Spirit of God that dwells in you. And He wants to teach you. He wants to teach you. If He's teaching you, you are being moved with a zeal to serve God. If he, you can talk among men all day long about the Word, but when the Holy Spirit is talking to you and guiding you into all truth, then your lips are going to want to be talking about it. Your lips are going to be vocal about it because that is what the Bible calls the spirit of faith in 2 Corinthians 4.13. This is the spirit of faith that we have believed, therefore we speak. And two verses above that tells us that the Spirit of God always delivers us unto the death of Jesus. Why? Because only out of His death comes life. So what we've seen this morning in this little preliminary hearing here that we're having, and that's what it is. It's an intro about faith. If you get it wrong, nothing else works. Amen. God won't even work in your life. Amen. Faith, it requires faith. How do I exercise my faith? There's only one way. There's not two. It's not hard. This is what, this is what makes it so... What's the word? So precious, so... Mm, I can't think of the word I need to use. But there's only one way to exercise your faith, and that's with your heart. You stay yielded to what you began yielding to when you were saved. Amen. And if you are yielded to the truth of Calvary, what Jesus did there for you, the Holy Spirit's going to put you right here. It's never not going to happen. Let me say that again. It's never not going to happen. If you're yielded to the truth that you yielded to that saved you, your hunger and your desire now is to know the word of the Lord because Jesus said those that love me will obey me. That's right. You became obedient when you accepted his obedience, but don't let that keep you on the couch. If that's really working for you, then that means your life is an experiential expression of the obedience to God's word. 
See, this is what Christians don't like. Well, his obedience is mine. I don't have to do nothing. Jesus wasn't teaching about his obedience becoming yours and you not having to do anything. He says, those that love me will be found obeying me. And you don't you can't obey God unless you know what God said. Thy word, O Lord, is a lamp unto my feet and a light to my path. Praying that God would show you His will for your life and you're not in the Word, you'll never know. Because thy word, O Lord, is a lamp under my feet and a light under my path. You've been given the measure of faith. It can't fail because it works by love. What love does it work by? It don't even work by your love. The faith you were given was worked by the love of Christ for you at Calvary. He loved us. He gave Himself for us by faith so that we could be saved. Not just have a place in heaven, though, so that we could live with the very expression of Christ. The life I now live, I live because Christ lives in me. And I live by His faith. It's His faith I'm living by. The church needs to know this. The church, because if you get faith wrong, well, I don't really have to know all that. I just love the Lord. I promise you, you claiming you love the Lord, I already told you, you really don't even understand what that means without faith. And I don't think you can love the Lord without faith. He manifests His love to you through the faith of the Son of God. It took faith for God to reveal His love to you. It took faith for the Son of God to reveal the love of God to you. He did what He did he tasted death by the grace of God, and grace can't happen without faith. Even in the life of Jesus, he couldn't taste death by grace unless there was faith there for that grace to function. What am I saying today? What's the message today? That you don't have to work for, you don't have to seek for something you don't already have. You don't have to work for it. You don't have to conjure it up. All you literally have to do is to believe from the heart in the very object you believed when you first believed. Amen. To prove it's true, read the book of Galatians. That's why they fell from grace because there wasn't, there was no longer a yielding to obedience unto righteousness. Think about it. Why did the church of Galatia fall from grace? Why did the church of Sardis get told by Jesus they're dead? It's because they were no longer yielded to what they yielded to at first. And this the church has a problem with because we think we got saved by the cross, but man, we need to move on. I've been told that by people you wouldn't believe over the last two years. Move on to where? No, Jesus is not hanging on the cross. He's at the right hand of the Father, but the Bible says 
that unless you take up your cross and deny yourself, you can't follow him. Your cross is what he did for you on his cross. If you get faith wrong, everything's wrong. If you get faith wrong, it's all, this is the importance of the message of the cross yeah. so biblical faith can come back into the church as it started to do some 25, 30 years ago. So far, folks aren't just running around calling everything a move of God and everything faith because everything's not a move of God and everything's not faith. Very little is. Amen. If it's not the faith of the Son of God functioning in our lives because a yielded heart to that sacrificial work, you can paint it up and call it anything you want to, honey. You can even you can even take a Bible verse and slap it on it, but it ain't a move of God. You know the 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 the, the early church, the Jewish folks that either didn't get saved or some of them who did believe upon Jesus they were still hung up with the law they were still telling folks they had to be circumcised and you know what circumcision's in the Bible you couldn't even be a Jew in the old covenant as a man if you weren't circumcised but that's over that's gone that was all a type and a shadow of what Jesus would do on the cross to circumcise us through the circumcision he made for us on the cross. So you can use the Bible and find in the Bible where God says you've got to be circumcised. But if you don't know about the faith of the Son of God that you obtained when you were born again, and that's not the faith that you're exercising, then somebody will come up and lead you Away from your place of being steadfast. Amen. How many, and I've seen, I see everything on social media. How many Christians think they have to go get rewater baptized because some preacher told them that you, you weren't baptized in the name of Jesus only? So you, you know, you, wait. And they're so unsure of what they believed when they first believed, that they'll go for that. Well, I just want to make sure. Were you making sure by doing something? Come on. Come on. Are you making sure that your heart still yielded to the sacrifice of Christ? That's the one. I, I fear that there's a lot of people claim Christianity today. If they were to move off, if something were to happen, a tornado pick them up, and they landed up in Utah, they'd be a Mormon within a year. Are you standing for the faith that was given to you? Are you contending for the faith that was given to you? I said, are you standing in the faith that you received? Are you contending for the faith that was given to you? Yeah. Because if you're not, hard times are coming that could have been avoided. Amen. Exercising this measure of faith that we receive that can never fail, knowing that scriptural leaves the ball in our hands, not God's. 
God's given us what we need to be able to exercise it to see His moving and His great grace abounding in our lives and us receiving even more grace for the days ahead. But we must stand in this and we must share this. Let me say it again. When the Holy Spirit is teaching you, you're being moved. Come on. Woo! If men are just passing words around and you already know that and you've heard that and you've heard that and you've heard that and you've heard that and you know that. It, let me tell you, this is, this is the importance of being where the message of the cross is preeminent and you're being challenged. Come on, tell it. You're being challenged to wake up if you need to be awake, if you're asleep. To allow the Holy Spirit to stir you if you become idle. To allow Him to open your eyes again to the truth if you become blind. If you're going the wrong way, chasing after men instead of the truth of the cross, He can fix that too. Yeah. He can fix it all. Many people, many people follow people. When they're following the truth of Calvary, their lips, they can't stop. It won't be stopped. I'm living proof of it. Amen. You're living proof of it. When your faith is in the sacrifice, your lips are going to be moving. Amen. Amen. The preacher's wife said, praise the Lord. She might have to hear it again this afternoon. Good thing about her hearing it again, she starts, she starts preaching back. I like that. I like that. I like it. Amen. The Lord's good to us. We're not better than anybody. We're not better than a person on the planet. Saint or sinner. Ain't better than nobody. We all on level ground. Christians are better equipped. Christians who know the way of the cross are even better equipped. And God's not going to cut you short. He's not going to listen. If your focus is Calvary, He's not going to withhold any good thing from you. If your focus is not Calvary, there's many things that are going to be withheld. Many things. You don't give a five-year-old keys to the truck. Amen. The faith you have is the faith of the Son of God. Perfect. Can't fail. And all we have to do is exercise it by keeping our eyes on the cross. You want to love somebody? Tell them about the cross. That's right. That's right. You want to love somebody? Tell them about the cross. What about they don't want to hear it? They think I'm not loving because I'm telling them. Tell them about the cross. The whole world didn't know it was God loving them on the cross. Everybody in hell didn't know it was God loving them through Jesus and what he did at Calvary, but you do. You know the love of God because it's in your hearts. Amen. Hallelujah. Would you stand with me this morning?